Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. Is the world getting better or is it getting worse? Believe it or not, this is actually something that is debated and even debated by Christian theologians. You you might look at things now and and say, oh, wow, it looks like things are getting worse. But some might argue, well, if you step back a little bit and, you know, compare how the world is today to how it was a thousand years ago, a lot of things do seem to be better. And so the argument can go around and around. But I do think God's word has some things to say about what's going to happen in the world as it moves towards the last days. And even today, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it says in verse 13 that evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse. Or as it says in verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Hard times are going to come in the last days. And I believe as we look out at the world, there are some levels in which we should expect things to get worse. We are ultimately waiting for the return of Christ. And I think the world is going to get worse until that point. But today's reading is going to give us, I think, hope and instruction on how to live in a world that is getting worse and even moving from bad to worse. It's painful to read the first several verses of 2 Timothy 3 because it it really seems like it's describing the world that we're living in, saying that people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. And so there we see what we can easily look out in the world and say, yeah, that, that looks like is what it's what's going on everywhere. And then in verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so as we think about that and we see those verses, um, we see some things, I think, that match our current situation. And I think we should even expect what it says there, Christians are going to experience persecution. Now, I think that's always true. And even uh, now and in, for the last several decades in America, if you want to honor Christ, there is going to be some opposition and some persecution that you are uh, going to face. But still, I think if we're being honest, that has paled in comparison to what many throughout church history and many throughout the world uh, have experienced. And so we might be seeing a regression really to the mean of the average Christian experience. Uh, But as we think about that, again, we should be encouraged that this shows us, well, what do we do in light of all that? And look now at verse 10. It says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord delivered me. And so you see there, 
Paul encouraging Timothy to follow his example. And that honestly is something that we need. We need godly examples. And as the world gets worse, we need to hold on to the examples that God has given us. And I think these examples can come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Some of them should be physical people at our local church, hopefully, that we can follow their example. Uh, hopefully that there are also just examples that we see of Christians throughout the world today or leaders in the church that can set this example for us. And thank God with technology and even books that have been written, we have access not only to biblical history and all the heroes of the faith that we see there, but uh, also the encouraging stories of many Christians uh, that have served God throughout the ages. Uh, and we can learn from their stories and follow their examples. But more than the examples of any person, uh, God really wants us to follow the example um, or the, the pattern that is set in his word. And that, that's where we find one of the most impre- most precious things that we'll see in our reading today. And that starts in verse 13, or 16, where it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, that's a verse you've probably heard before, uh, just talking about how good God's word is and how sufficient scripture is. But think about it really even in this context today, uh, how it's really talking about how things are going to go from bad to worse and what Christians should hold on to is the word of God. And it's saying in these difficult days, in these hard times, the word of God is enough to give us everything we need to do every good work that God is calling us to do. I hope that encourages you, and I hope it just strengthens your resolve to dig into God's word, to hold on to God's word. We need it, and we need it more than ever as the world gets worse. And we need to realize it's sufficient to give us everything that we need. And in a world where there is so much noise, We need to make sure that we are cutting through that noise to regularly, faithfully dig into God's word. We need it. So I hope that encourages you just in your own pursuit of God's word today. Let's move on now to Luke 17 and other passages where it's talking about the end times as Jesus describes uh, what the coming of the kingdom will be like in the return of Christ. And we'll look at Luke 17, 20 through 37. But let's start in verse 26, where it says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the last day when the Son of Man is revealed. And then it gives us even that practical encouragement to remember Lot's wife who turned around and became a, looked back and became a pillar of salt. And it says, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. And there, just as we think about the hard times that we're living in, the days of difficulty that we are called to endure, those that are really just focused on, I'm going to preserve my life here and now, and how can I rescue my life from these increasingly difficult circumstances? That's not really how God wants us to be thinking. God wants us to really be 
willing to lose our lives and not so much wrapped up in just what's going on right here, right now, but that we're more increasingly wrapped up in giving ourselves away and focusing on the kingdom work that he has called us to. So I hope those things give us some practical encouragements today. I also want to find practical encouragement in a book that's full of practical encouragement, and that is Proverbs, where today we're looking at chapters 19 through 22. And I was struck uh, just by several things that these passages said about how we should handle our money and our work ethic. And I think what we're going to see is that uh, a spirit of generosity and a strong work ethic are incredibly important things in the life of a believer. And so as we look at what that uh, describes, let's start in chapter 19, verse 17. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Uh, Basically saying, hey, when you're generous to somebody that needs it, it's like you're giving your money to God. You're investing it into the bank of God and he is going to return it. And I think one thing we see throughout scripture and really throughout the Christian experience is the the interest rate at the bank of God is really good. And he often rewards generosity even above uh, what we could expect. So there, right there, we see that spirit of generosity in chapter 20, verse 13. It says, love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. So there we see a clear link uh, that laziness will lead to poverty and hard work and a willingness to get up and get after it will um, help provide for what we need. In chapter 21, we see a few things starting in verse five. It says the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. They're kind of saying, hey, there's 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 no real way to get there without um, really being focused and working hard on what God has called us to do. So many people today want to work less uh, to get more, and and certainly we should value efficiency in our work. But if it's just, oh, I want some quick scheme to get rich, God's saying that's not how it works. Um, Wealth is going to come through hard work and through diligence. And even we're also seeing, and it's not about hoarding wealth for ourselves. Uh, it's about being generous. In verses 25 and 26, we see more about this idea of a work ethic. And it says, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. All day long, he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. And I love that even. The, the, the sluggard doesn't get what he wants because he's lazy, while the righteous, he's generous and he gives. Finally, in chapter 22, look at verse uh, 7, where it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. So there we see um, just this idea that the borrower is the slave of the lender, and that really is a, a proverb that reminds us of the dangers that can come with debt, that there is kind of an enslavement to who you are indebted to. And so much, I think, of the debt that we see in our society today is people that are really, as it described earlier, being hasty. I don't think the Bible condemns all debt of all kinds, that there may be times where that is wise and strategic. But if we're being honest, a lot of debt is accumulated today by people that just want things that they can't afford. And so they just go into debt to get it. 
I think that's where we see, no, that's, that's the hastiness. Instead of a willingness to work for something, just to get it and hope that somehow later it, it all works out. I don't think we'll see that that really is the path of wisdom. Finally, let's go to Psalm 105, verses 23 through 33. Psalm 105, 23 through 33. And here, it's really going to remind us of the 10 plagues. And so even as we go through a world that, as we've seen today in Scripture, is going to get worse, that should be our expectation, we also need to remember our God who is in control. And we should be reminded of that even by the 10 plagues uh, that we read about in Exodus. And just remember that when the the deck team stacked against Israel, the, the mighty hand of God led them out of Egypt through what God did. And so as we encounter times of difficulty today, we don't need to worry. We don't need to be afraid. We need to remember the God who is in control and we need to hold on tight to his word. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.